and welcome to episode 313 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper, and joined as occasionally by Alex Jones. Plenty to get into this week, as Jack has just mentioned off air. It's been a long week in football. Last time we spoke, we were cursing a nil-nil draw against the USA. We're now in a World Cup quarterfinal, but the less said about our opposition, the better. We'll get to that at some point, I'm sure. Not much news of the week to get into, but we'll get there first. I'll do a customary check. How is everyone doing today? Sim better days. Sim better <laughs> days. And that's always a good start. Cue that energy. Podcast. I mean, this is genuinely turning into a bit of a, bit of a routine now. I'll just constantly be suffering from the weekend one way. <laughs> I need I need it to be knocked out soon. Uh, my body can't take any more. It's going to be the driest of Januarys for a lot of people in the country, you feel. Oh, yeah. Sahara dry. But we'll get into the news of the week. Not much of it, but we'll get there. Dog shoots owner dead after stepping in his shotgun. <laughs> and that is the news of the week for this week. Um, I just have been separate because that literally was the only, the only thing that happened. Other than a meth. Remarkable. Yeah, there was a, um, there was a meth overdose um, amongst some monks. But nice. Where about? a bit too, uh, I'm not sure. In some kind of monastery. Really? So, so as yeah. a sign of respect, you didn't mention it whilst also mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I actually didn't think it was interesting. Enough, I thought that was right um, in our wheelhouse. Compared to, compared to the dog shooting the owner, um, which like, if you're going to leave a shotgun lying around, these are the kind of things that can happen. <laughs> also, the ang- I don't know what angle this gun had to be at for the dog to step on the trigger, but <laughs> these things happen. Um I saw one of these am I the asshole things and I thought I'd note it down. It was someone saying that they had a dry wedding. Um, they said it was a dream come true to the, for them, but the guests were fuming. And I wondered how any of you would feel if you got to a wedding that was strictly alcohol free. I think if it was my wedding, I'd want it to be dry because I've seen how my mates get with drink on board and I just would not want that anywhere near my family. I just... <laughs> The, the horrors I would get, just even the thought of it. I, I had a similar situation where I ended up going to Villa Away and it turned out to be a dry away end. <laughs> they had, they had no <laughs> I think I'd be equally as pissed off as I was then. But, but this was someone saying their guests were fuming. They were they had the time in their life, but their guests were fuming. And if you were a guest they not warn wedding, them? I think that's out of order. If they didn't warn them and then you turn up and it's dry, you'd be absolutely <laughs> outraged. Yeah, I don't know how much there. Um, the majority of people were actually saying that she was an asshole, so tells you a lot about That's society. So yeah, there you go. Your news of <laughs> the week. Plenty to get into, though, as I always say, and we will start almost in reverse order with England. This is what we're here to talk about. Maybe I'll go at Gabriel Jesus, um, and then everything else, just a little bit sprinkled in. We eased into the World Cup quarterfinals with a 3-0 win against Senegal. And fair to say this time around, Jude Bellingham was the star. Sets up Jordan Henderson's opening goal after a great run past the Senegal defence. 
key role in the second goal, which Harry Kane tucks away. And then the main man himself, Bakayo Saka, makes it 3-0 with nearly an hour gone. And we're able to really coast uh, for the rest of the game. If we start with Bellingham, he becomes the second teenager ever to start for England in a World Cup knockout game after an 18-year-old Michael Owen did so against Argentina in 98. So much so has already been said about where he's going to be playing after this tournament that we can maybe look past the level of player he already is and the fact he's only 19 years old. Like We've got so many more major tournaments with him in the middle of the park. Fingers crossed. A... Carry on, sorry. Yeah, I mean, maybe our attitudes will change if he signs for United or something like that. We'll start picking at his flaws a bit more. <laughs> the Maguire uh, career arc. <laughs> <laughs> could be could be the Sancho one. Oh, heavens. Don't say that. So yeah, he's instrumental in both goals. Um, he becomes the youngest England player to assist a World Cup goal on Opta Records dating back to '96. What can be said about his performance that hasn't already been said? I mean, pre-game, we had fans begging him to come to Real Madrid. I don't know if you know TK, but he did go for a walk with Trent. <laughs> but apparently... So that move that definitely happened. Confirmed, doesn't it? Once you're, once you're friends with a player from a team, you're basically there. There's a... I, I thought the way that he looked into Henderson's eyes after scoring the goal that that was that was a magical. It did. You did think too. they might kiss at one point. You were weren't hundred percent sure. There's a BBC reporter on Twitter that seems his sole focus is to report on how many times Trent and Jude Bellingham spotted together. So bizarre. It's so weird. They just get, you just get a photo a day of them hanging out. I think they pick those people out. I think they pick those people out uh, in the like in the same camp of people that have to pick the girls out from the crowd. <laughs> the, what if he was like just like really good mates like Pickford? But they'd be going. He's obviously going to Everton, man. He's obviously <laughs> going to Everton. Well, he he was pictured with Calvin Phillips before the one with Trent. I mean, they are in a squad together. Some yeah. people seem really baffled by. I don't know if any of you saw the clip from yesterday, I think it was, with the fan approaching him and Hendo saying, come to Real Madrid, come to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. And Hendo says, basically, he's not letting him join Real Madrid. <laughs> and the fan, with Hendo and Trent there, says, they beat you in the final. <laughs> oh, my God. Ruthless. Hendo sees the funny side. Um, Trent, not so much. <laughs> think. Thinking of uh, Calvin Phillips, do you think like he'll like try and avoid getting in pictures with Bellingham? Think like, well, don't end up, don't end up coming to City as well. You've already taken my England spot. Let me take my spot at City as well. I, I don't know uh, what he's going to do. I mean, it'd be easier for everyone if he just goes to Madrid. I saw. Well, for all I don't know about everyone sharing the. <laughs> Obviously, that'd be easier for, for me. For all the for all the Liverpool fans sharing the clip of Hendo saying, "I'm not letting him go in there." He is a very politely says this fan at the end when he says, so you'll come to Madrid? And he said, we'll see. And I saw a lot of Liverpool fans in their replies like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Why did he have to say that? Another one's defensive going, he was just being polite. <laughs> yeah, people aren't well, are they? People are not well. But in the first half, he has the highest pass accuracy of any England player, 95.8%, completes all by one of his 24 passes. Um, he was involved in the most duels, won almost three quarters of them. 
His counter-pressing is on point. Uh, and he was really just running beyond the defence. Is there a possibility that he's been misprofiled in previous games? Have we been asking him to sit back too much? Because it seems like we kind of took the handbrake off in this game. Or maybe he did that manually. He's scoring quite freely for Dortmund as well. I think people just see like a tall, strong midfielder and they think, well, you just have to sit. But maybe he just took it upon himself to showcase and put himself in the spotlight of, no, I am a complete midfielder here. Or, I mean, it may say something about what Senegal were doing. I know they, they put a lot of their attention on closing down Declan Rice and if you're using two midfielders to do that then it'll open space for everyone else and I thought once we actually did get going we did beat their press quite well hence I mean, the three goals are all in transition um, yeah, Henderson they, sorry yeah I feel like that was though because they had no choice but to open up a bit more after that though like I think if it wasn't for that for, for me the goal came out of quite literally nowhere because it was quite it wasn't looking great uh, maybe I'm just going off my stress levels at that point, <laughs> but I seem to I seem to recall myself yelling so loud at that first goal that I had no voice left for the second welcome two. to my world <laughs> but I thought that it was a good chance for him to show not to compare him to the likes of Yaya Torre but that strength Jesus. to be able that strength to Cam's already done that Onana so look it's fine <laughs> But he he was able to pick he was able to come that little bit li- little bit more into a sort of in amongst their players deal with the strength that they had and just what? create that chance out of, out of no- what felt like nothing to be honest because I it, it did literally come out of nowhere. Well, a lot of that then a lot of that tribute has to go to the man that came into the midfield, played against Wales. Um, we debated the inclusion of Mason Mount all of last Monday. Southgate quite clearly listened. <laughs> <laughs> put him out of the team, puts Hendo into the team. He's obviously tweaked the formation somewhat because I don't think Bellingham was quite playing in the 10 and Henderson certainly wasn't doing that either. Um, Henderson, if if you were doing the, uh, when you have a favourite in a race at Cheltenham or something, you do the betting without the favourite, Henderson gets the man of the match, I think, on everyone's cards, I hope, if it doesn't go to Bellingham. Uh, I, I do you know what for me it was so it was so close between him, Kane, Bellingham, and I think Fo- Phil Foden can be slept on a little bit there because I thought Foden had a brilliant match. One of those was not like the others. <laughs> Which one was that, Luke? Harry Kane. <laughs> Girl, grow up, grow up. No, no, because he didn't have a bad game, but Kane I don't think he was on the same level as Henderson. Kane, Kane had a great, a game. great game. I, I, Henderson. He did, he did. He created a lot for us and he played that great, he, he played, he did what he did well where he drops away and just can pick up the ball and create a lot of chances. Henderson is a lot, Henderson was a lot more, he got himself about the pitch a lot more, pressured a lot more and was probably the most positive player that we had on the pitch at times. But you can't take away from what I thought the technical aspect of Kane's game, which he, it, it well, it came, it was the first time we've seen it this tournament. So I, I, I don't understand how... Well, Kane got man of the match. So, you know, it's not... You're it's joking not like, me. Kane got man of the match. What? I'm pretty sure. Can anyone else call yeah, this? You got it. Because this... No, Kane got man of the match. Poor, me. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Mind you, so, De Bruyne yeah. got man of the match in the Belgium. Yeah, Havertz okay. got that one. He looked like a condemned man. Because that is mental. 
It's not mental at all. He owes Saka three assists. Owes Saka three assists. <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm convinced. <laughs> well, he's had it. He's been, he had about three pullbacks now, and it's very uncharacteristic in the way that he's getting stuck underneath it to the point where I'm questioning. Should I read more into this? <laughs> I think you've already read more than enough into it. I mean, we win the USA game if in the first 10 minutes Kane does that. Look, Kane had a good game. I thought Henderson, um, another level. I think in the first 35 minutes in particular, when England are finding the game tougher than we probably expected, it's the oldest player in the team that really dragged everyone and ensured that they rose up to the challenge. Jim. He led the press. I think there was a moment uh, about 20 minutes in where he breaks from midfield to lead a press and he absolutely screams at Saka to tell him in no uncertain terms that you need to get up and be doing the same alongside with me. And just that little things, the leading from the front. I thought he was the captain without the captain's armband yesterday. Even if we weren't having a conversation about Mount and what one can do that the other doesn't do, that is one thing that very few other people in the England squad can yeah. do. And it's probably one of the reasons that he's he's in the team because that was one of the things that was questioned, whether he'd be in the squad, let alone in an England lineup going into a quarterfinal. So I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was well worthy of his goal. And I think he shot, shot a lot of people up. I mean, say 2.5 of us included from last week. Um and probably most of the country. I've seen some. I, no, no, I, look, I'm not. I'm not disputing. I'm not. Look, I, all I said was oh, I didn't dispute that he wasn't a really good contender for the man of the match. It, given if it were my choice, I would have gone for Henderson or Bellingham. But I, I'm just saying, Kane was a worthy, worthy winner of it. That, we're going to get. We'll, we'll get on to Harold but Kane. Like Kane, for for me, Henderson is for like. Uh, there's Mount doesn't get near this starting eleven. Now for the rest of the tournament, yeah, jumping out here. Don't get, we're going to talk about France after because I think we do the positive and then <laughs> not, not <laughs> the negative, but uh, the, the the apprehensive. Um, yeah, Henderson. I've seen some journalists suggesting that because Henderson performed well and got the goal here, that we were all wrong to boo from inside our own homes the substitution in the USA game. I won't go that. I'm still not sure about the change on the day, but Southgate, every so often, he does one of these things that we all curse him for. And then, okay, yeah, maybe that is the right call. <coughs> we were speaking pre game, uh, TK Hansi in the lineup. Well, actually, I'd heard that it was the same lineup, but I didn't really click on. I was so preoccupied on whether it was going to be Saka starting that Henderson or Mount slipped my mind. I was quite pleasantly surprised with that change. Um, and obviously, Obviously, it pays off because it, it was more than just the goal that he does score, as we've uh, alluded to already. Yeah, things like you know, like leadership and experience and stuff, sometimes I kind of just feel like buzzwords and you kind of think, well, what does that really mean? Um, and I thought, but I thought he actually sort of exemplified what they actually do mean and probably did show what he, Southgate was trying to do when he put him on in the USA game. Although, like yourself, I question if there probably should have been some others further ahead of him in the queue to come on in that game. Yeah. Um, I thought he was he was perfect for this. He's done it for Liverpool before as well, where he's come on and he can sort of shift the energy in a way that our other players can't. Um, I can't really think of another player that we've got that can really do that. I can't think of it for England either. It's just a, he's a fairly unique personality in that regard. And the fact that he has had success at Liverpool means people do clearly respect him in the squad. Um, you saw that with Bellingham, for example. 
Um, and he does kind of the sort of some of the dirty stuff that people are suggesting that that's what um, Southgate likes about Mount. I think Henderson was doing that side of things better. I thought his press was really good. Um, and he was he looked after the ball better than he does. On a bad Henderson game, you'll get some of this, yeah. but he won't look after yeah. the ball as well. You think, well, he's a bit of a liability. In in this game, it wasn't like that. And also partly that where Bellingham was able to get forward like, a little bit more, it ended up being quite a nice balance in midfield where the concern probably going in against a team like Senegal, who were going to probably make it difficult for us, I guess the only concern was that potentially Rice, Bellingham and Hendo could be a bit of a flat midfield, but they ended up sort of changing the shape quite nicely, I thought. Well, we spoke last week, and I think we spoke during the USA game about the lack of press that we had. And from what we associated from the Iran game was really being on the front foot. We harried them, we got at them, and I think our recovery time was one of the fastest in the tournament at that stage by the end of uh, match day one. And then we looked last week, and Alex is going to take offence. We said that you can't really play like that with Harry Kane. And it's the same thing that Conte's found out. It's the same thing like United. Ronaldo was still a very good footballer, but he couldn't press. And if one per- if one person in the team can't press, you can't have an effective press when you're starting at that end of the field. And Henderson is one of the few players in the midfield, when you look at who's been brought along, that can actually do that. So I don't think it's going to be something that we have moving forward where we expect the whole team to be playing like that. But if you can have it in an element in midfield, if you just need to harry one particular player, if you just need to drive some energy, as you've said there, he's a really important player to have. And I saw a headline of an article that I didn't read through admittedly, but they said the credit to Southgate was that you look at the midfield now and Henderson, Rice, Bellingham, feels so obvious when you weigh up the balances and everything that you have there. And you have to credit him for that because it would be easy for us to disrespect Senegal and can say to you pre-game, we got to about half six. And I said to you, I've only just kind of considered (laughs) that we could lose this game. And it hit me like a ton of bricks is to thought of if one of their chances had nicked in early, we could have been in a world of trouble. Like the Iceland game, I don't think any of us went into that thinking anything but a resounding win. I mean, we didn't compensate the hurricane on set pieces, but it could have gone so horribly badly. And Henderson, credit to him, seized his chance when a lot of the substitutes have been able to do that. So you need to make sure you can stand out. That's now eight different scorers we've had across the tournament. Nice. Southgate, again, all of us included, We've maligned him for being overly conservative. We had a conversation last week about how conservative he was. And yet it's not like we've just put, subbed on. We've got eight different strikers in the squad. Southgate's gone mental and he's swapped right backs for strikers. And each one of them has just come on to bag a goal. Like their goals from right across the midfield, right across the front line. We've now scored 12 in four games. And we're boasting a threat from all over the pitch. We've not even got a goal yet from Maguire or Stones, who... If any team overlooks the the danger they can pose, when you look at the likes of Luke Shaw on the left-hand side, he can be a goal threat. There's plenty more options in this team that still haven't scored. And we're looking good in that aspect. It's not like... It's going to be disrespectful. I think a lot of the build-up on Saturday is going to be, if we can stop Mbappe, then we've got him. 
And I don't think that's entirely correct, but that's going to be a lot of what yeah. the build-up is. It's not as simple as when you play us that, okay, we're going to stick two men on Harry Kane. Jobs are good in. Yeah, agreed. In terms of attacking depth, we probably have as good in the tournament as you'll find. Hmm. Important for Kane to get that goal. He was still looking up for a pass at the time when he does drill it past the keeper. Thankfully, he didn't do that. Mendy, and we're cooking. I think, I think everyone's needs to thank Chelsea for <laughs> Mendy's form and preparing him for this game. <laughs> I was still thinking of Mount when you said Chelsea. <laughs> we'll speak about Mendy because yeah. That man. That's a fall from grace, that man. Um, as we always say. I remember seeing all of these um, tweets about how he's going to the job centre in France and then he got given a, a go in. <laughs> yeah. His character arc is going to be complete full circle. He'll be back at that job centre. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be sat outside saying, I won the Champions League once. Yeah, yeah, of course you did, mate. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Here's a quick Yeah, liar. <laughs> Into. In terms of our scorers, when it's quite clear that our weakness is our back line, it's very imperative that we do keep going down this way of thinking of goals, 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 because the second we start retreating back and thinking that we can rely on the lads uh, beyond the centre-halves, it could get very interesting. Um, As for the formation, I think it's interesting when you can look at some of the screenshots and how things were broken down last night. On paper, we operated in a 4-3-3 formation. You can see when you look back at clips of the second half and pictures that we converted to a back three, really, every single time we were in possession. Luke Shaw pushed forward from left back, leaves three at the back, and then England were bombing on down the left-hand side with Bellingham, Foden, Shaw, and then Kane was pulling across that side as well. Not the first team to do it, but you'd have heard me talk about it as what Arteta did with Xhaka until eventually it was figured out. Um, Which did mean that we were relying on the centre-backs to build up the ball. And in that first 35 minutes, I think if any of us had to see another sideways pass from Maguire or Stones, (laughs) we'd have been tearing our hair out if it wasn't for the fact that when they tried to pass it forward, things just got so much worse. Yeah, and kind of... The timing of our first goal probably is so important in terms of our perception of this game as a whole, isn't it? I think our frustration <laughs> yeah. probably would have been compounded. We probably still would have been lamenting that Southgate's too conservative, even if we eventually got the goal and got the breakthrough. If we'd gone a lot longer without that first goal, I think we would have um, we would have started getting a bit sort of tetchy. We said Harry Kane had infected us with that Spurs second half syndrome. Maybe it is. Look, as long as we keep picking it up in the second half, I'll take it. <laughs> For 35 minutes, I think we can, uh, if anything, it's a better first half. That's what the paper tells me. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. It did work, though, because Foden, we didn't play with a number 10, but with the width that we did have with Luke Shaw, Foden was able to tuck inside a little bit more, which is where he sets up the second goal from. And we, we effectively built up down the right-hand side with Walker, Saka, Kane was pulling across that way as well with the diagonal passes. And then the second they slid across, we just fizzed it out left. And that was where we just started to cook from. Do we think the three in build-up is something 
that was worked on on the guise of, okay, we're strongest down that side? Or was it a way to maybe get some practice in for a back five ahead of a possible change for Saturday? I mean, I don't know if it's an overall question, is it? It's kind of, you could probably, they probably looked at it through the sort of prism that they could do both those things. Just wondered because it seemed a lot clearer than it did in previous games. So either it's something I identified with Senegal. Potentially it could have just been the one game basis, yeah. But I think what we have seen in this World Cup is individual like execution plans for, for each game, for each opponent. Um, I, th- I think we've seen a, diff- a slightly different England in pretty much... Oh, I'm getting some feedback. Yeah. Um, different England in pretty much all of our games. So who knows? We've Maybe we've just been trying to concoct this foot-perfect formula ready for when we do play a larger team like, like France. Um, yeah, feedback from someone's mic. I don't know who it is. Go on, Jack. Carry on. We'll, we'll work it out. Yeah, no, I was just, just I pretty much finished my point, really. I think I think what Southgate's trying to do is trying to find... It's almost like a work in progress. It's almost like he stumbled across a four at the back and he's like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I've never, never heard of four at the back before and it just seems to work at the moment for us. So... He's in such a difficult stick or twist moment now as well with that, isn't he? So, yeah, there was some sloppiness. It it wasn't, as the scoreline suggests, sorry, entirely. Um, For the first 30 minutes, if Senegal had made the most of their chances, it could have been a very different fixture. Um, I think there were three clear opportunities and they all came from kind of messing about in our own third. The first one, uh, Foden fails to find Luke Shaw Dia then runs at Stones and Maguire and probably can't believe the fact that they're running through some treacle that he's managed to evade. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neither centre-back gets anything on it, but they're able to do just enough to stop him getting a clean shot on goal. Maguire then attempts to pass from deep after 23 minutes and it's easily cut out. And then a combination of Luke Shaw, uh, John Stones' leg and arm stop Dia from being able to volley in. Saar can't get to the rebound. And then Saka was another offender. He tries, uh, I think he tries to play it forward and it gets deflected back towards Pickford and Pickford makes a nice save. He tried, um, no, he, what do you mean he tried to play it forward? He I can't remember. I'm just, okay, well, even worse then. Um, he passed it straight at the Senegalese player. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but it, it, um, as much as he is, as much as he needs to start for us, just... None of that, please. I, I can't. I was too stressed at that point. Maguire nearly finished me off with that second pass attempt. I don't need Saka doing Let's that. face it, I think we were all watching that as well and thinking like, if we make one of these mistakes against France, it could be Kearns. Yeah, so this is the point, definitely. yeah, because do... I don't think we can rely on Maguire and Stones to be the chief source of build-up in this fixture because, as we've alluded to, you don't even want Giroud having those chances. Take Mbappe out of this situation. You don't want Giroud having those chances. So but in this that, isn't in that the situation. If in that situation, so obviously I said in the chat, like he needs to change it up at half time, if not before, because at thirty five minutes we were it was not looking good. What I meant by that is, well, we're not getting anything through the middle. We're not getting anything from the wings at all. 
we need something to try and we need to pack up the midfield a little bit more with somebody that can at least pick up the ball from the centre backs and take it forward. And I felt like Bellingham then stepped up to the plate with that, which led to the first goal, which came out of nowhere. But it was kind of like if we find ourselves in that position against France, do we like what what can we do to change it? Because I think in that 35 minutes against Senegal, that looks more like two goals down against France. So it's how fast you change. Like obviously, France are going to play very differently. You know, they'll work the press differently, but I just it worries you, you me. Can... It worries it worries me when we're. I, I just don't feel like we deal with the press very well at all. Like though, having Maguire and Stones at the back with the way that you do, trying to pass the ball out, I don't feel like Walker and Shaw were offering them much. So it's then where does that creative? Well, I don't think they were supposed to. They from? they bombed forwards and. To the point where we weren't supposed to build up with them, we were supposed yeah, to we build through the middle and then Stones, switch it. You you can't be leaving Stones and Maguire stranded. If Rice is just going to get blocked off, then we can't have Maguire and Stones trying to pass it through the middle when it's not there. No, I'm just saying it. It was this was seemingly by design, rather with the fullbacks. I mean, not with uh, Declan Rice. I mean, I sent you all the pass map. From the game, and I thought it was quite telling when you looked at Declan. He's Rice. got him under surveillance. I mean, he was attempting. Let's have it on record. Yeah, he was attempting passes, but <laughs> he wasn't connecting them. The only pass he was connecting with were going backwards, back to the centre backs. Um, now, two of their midfielders were quite clearly tasked with pressing him because he would pick the ball up from the keeper and move us forward, but. I said this in a different group chat and I was accused of being overly negative. I don't, I don't think you any player is exempt from criticism. And Declan Rice, by his standards, I don't think has had a very good tournament. When you look at what we said in the USA game, we're talking about a player here who's spoken about as being one of the best in the world in his position, £100 million man. And for him to not even be able to progress the ball, because it's not as simple as, and I'm going over another example, Francis Coquelin always said that when he played alongside Santi Cazorla, he was aware of his inabilities. And I don't think Declan Rice is like that on the ball. And he gave it straight to Santi Cazorla and then Cazorla could progress the ball. Now, if Declan Rice in that situation felt that he was being pressed too much, felt there was something going on that meant he could not progress the ball forwards, it's not like he simply just shifted it to Jude Bellingham because we would have seen on these maps a big green line between the two of them with a thick circles on either of them we would have seen that would be the most common pass he's played instead it's back to Harry Maguire now Harry Maguire we were clearly looking for that diagonal ball across to the either Phil Foden or Saka with Kane in the middle but there's something to be said there because Henderson was doing the work that we probably would have expected Declan Rice to be doing and if you look at the work Chiumeni does now France play far further forward because of the centre-backs they do have than we do. But just as someone, as an example, that is one of the top dogs in your position, if you're going to take some things from, I don't even think he was shying away. I, I just think that's a problem you should be able to solve. And unfortunately, this time he didn't, and it was left to other people to do that. I do think sometimes in these type of games, his sort of instincts as being a kind of defender first do sometimes come in, right? Sometimes lacking ideas creatively in terms of on the ball, um, which is an odd thing because he obviously has got it in him. He's got a pass in him. He can definitely drive with the ball. Um, there probably is something to be said for he's got to be the guy that sits. So maybe he's being stifled a little bit. 
but also that's kind of sometimes you, you said about you know no one's above criticism it seems like he can kind of get away with certain things because people go oh well that's just not what he's supposed to do he's just to sit in and break it up like which in turn Henderson and Bellingham both recovered the ball yeah, more than him yeah so you're kind of thinking what what is it and you are right I think his performance in the last tournament showed what he can do as well so if you, you it's hard to say that he is performing because you look at what he's done in English yet previously and you go well this is what I know he can do and you're looking for him to get back to that game again. The good thing about Rice is, I will say, it does seem like in the games when he needs to step up, he does. So you would back him to have a good game against France. If uh, Michael Beale was the brains behind Gerard, was Calvin Phillips the brains behind Declan Rice? <laughs> we just didn't know it this whole time. Listen, you won't find... Um, uh, I'll say... I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Calvin Phillips fan, but I'm fairly... Decent fan of Calvin Phillips, but I am not going to co-sign that. Let's get that on the record. But I think your surveillance of Declan Rice no, is right. I think you're right to put him under the microscope. Yeah, I actually, in, in my lineup that I did last week, I had Calvin Phillips starting in the game over Henderson, um, but he was starting it in, in the deep pockets, pick it up yeah, from defenders. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I have argued that at all pre-game. Rice yeah. further forward, because it's not like Rice can't progress the ball. In, in running with the ball um, from his position in the Premier League, he does that better than the majority of the people that are playing in the same role. So it's not even when, if you, if you go back and you listen to the criticism about rice, there is not one point where any of us, Jack excluded are saying, and this isn't a criticism because I know he can do this. It's get this bloke out of my sight. He can't do what I want him (laughs) to do with rice. It's like, we know you can do what we're asking you to do. So we're just asking you to do it. And ultimately if everyone else is performing and he can get by with this until we need him. Excellent. But it's if Bellingham has a bad game alongside him, like we saw in the USA game, or if Henderson has a bad game alongside him, that's when things start to look a bit spooky yeah, for us. And it's going to be a huge test on Saturday. And I've no doubt he, he can live up to it. And I think it's also shows that <coughs> not all defensive midfielders are the same and we shouldn't tar them with like, He's a DM brush that you would see on social media because Declan Rice, Rodri and Thomas Partey, for example, probably the three, well, I'll exclude Fabinho for this season, gotcha. the three best in the league this season, are all very different players. And so we're not asking Rice to do the same things that many does, but we're asking him to play at least at the same level of what he can do. And hopefully he can do that moving forward. I saw an interesting thing just on the, in terms of him carrying the ball. Uh, an interesting clip is Stuart Pearce, and you get a mixed bag with him. I mean, he could be kind of, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but this was a good point because I agreed with it. So obviously, this was an absolutely spot on point. Um, uh, <laughs> that he would watch, even in training, it would be like he'll carry the ball, but it'd be like when he has to. So if he gets surrounded by like two or three players and he'll carry it past them, he's like, well, why are you only doing that when you're forced to? Why can't you do that? You know, more, more regularly. Yeah, I thought yeah. that's a fair point. I've watched him at times West Ham. Suddenly he'll carry the ball from one end of the pitch to the other. But it was kind of like his team needed to get dragged up the pitch and he can do it. Um, obviously, he doesn't have that same level of responsibility for England. But you are asking him to do some of the basics a little bit better than he currently is doing. So we, I think is all we're really asking for. You know, We're not saying he's exactly the same as Chichuamani, but there's plenty of overlapping qualities that those two have. And you'd be expecting him to do some of those some of those jobs, I think. Even if you're just carrying the ball 10 yards further forward before you pass it back, like at least if the centre-backs have then, they're 10 yards further at the field and then we move and we're working from this situation. We don't want to be building up attacks from on the edge of our own area. Yeah, let's face it, what we're really saying, as much as he's a good carry, what we're really wanting is for him to be able to get on the ball 
and sort of dictate play from deep because we don't want our centre-halves doing it, right? And we want his forward passing to be better yeah. than it's been so far. That's not an easy skill, but it should be better than he's currently producing. Because like you said, if we have another game of watching Stones and Maguire pass it between them, France will be watching our, have been watching our games and go, we're going to jump on that. At one point, one of those is going to make a mistake and we're going to nail them. Yeah, and then Pickford did have a did have a very good game in the moments that he was needed. Did his job from, as a pundit would, would tell you. Yeah, yeah, there's been something from certain corners of Twitter that suggests that it should never have been a debate, that he should ever be the England keeper. It the, There's only ever been a debate, really, because he's made it a debate. Because none of us have really questioned what he's done for us in major tournaments going back for the last eight years. The issue has been... Everything he does in the Premier League, and we're like, oh, you're giving us some worries here that we might not be able to trust you. Ramsdale himself never came out and said, I should be the number one. He said, I think if you look at it, it's a tournament at least too soon for me when I look at what he's doing on the field. And Pickford's been the one that's forced that debate. He stood up to the test again. Looking at the second goal Mbappe scored yesterday, I don't like the look of uh, Pickford's tiny arms <laughs> against a shot like that. Yeah. But he also feels like a big game player as well. So we'll see what we do. A question that if we had Southgate dialing in now and we could ask him a question and we could talk to him about Harry Kane. If we were suggesting a game plan to him, because, I mean, as you could listen back, we clearly know better. We've been telling him what to do for the last however knows uh, long. Should Kane be dropping in as deep as he has been when we play France? Or should we be looking at him and saying, we need a target man here? I think he has to lead that line against France. I think that's the job that he has to do. We're not going to be against a team that's going to be sat in really rigid banks of four, hard to break down. So he needs to come looking to create space. I think... If we do get a break, I, I foresee France having the majority of the ball. And what we need in those in in those times is to ensure that that midfield is solid, it can mop up when it needs to, but then it can release the front three, who are a front three, who are in the right place at the right time. Because I feel that that's how we win this game. And I feel that him dragging back the French defence will hopefully, as you mentioned earlier, about how far forward the French midfield plays, what we want to do is create as much space in between that. So when there is a turnover and a transition, we've got Bellingham to burst through it. And then our best three attackers in their position at the right time. I think the one thing that would terrify me against France is seeing a great ball whipped in by one of Saka and Foden and no one being there on the end of it. That that would yeah. worry me. Because it's we we've seen far quicker strikers do too much of that outside the area. I'll keep going Arsenal-centric, but Jesus does that. And sometimes you're going, it's all well and good doing this, but now get in the area because someone has to be in there to collect the ball in the middle. Mm. And Kane, something that maybe they will look at going into Saturday is the most frequent move that he did this game is he dropped in about halfway into their half. He picked up the diagonal ball from the fullback, turned and then spread it to either Saka or Foden. And then it's on him, as you said, you've got to now get in the area. Don't worry about being on the outside of the area, offering them someone to get to. You have to trust them at that point to get the ball in the area and a good ball in the area because there's going to be spaces behind those uh, wingers that they have because Mbappe, 
I don't think he's as bad as tracking back as you'll hear this week that the guy just never tracks back. But I think you'd have seen a lot more commitment in tracking back from the Senegal team last night than you would from the France wingers. And that's going to be where we're going to have the space in behind. So you've got to trust the, trust the wingers and then trust him to get on the end of it because there's no one in our team that's better at putting it in the back of the net than him. Mm. TK, life on the line. You've got to guess the formation that Southgate plays on Saturday. Mm. At least on paper, is it a four or a five? Oh, I think he reverts. I think he reverts to it. Um, which at this point is a it is a risk because we've we've looked aside from the USA game we've looked sound um, in this formation. Who gets sacrificed? Yeah, that, that is my question. The, I mean, would he sacrifice Foden? Well, I actually that's the guy you have to sacrifice if, if you're going to do it. Yeah, because you need width, mm. then don't you? You need a natural touchline winger. If we're not playing a 10, we can't have you as like an inside, I'm an inverted forward or whatever. If Foden is playing on the left on Saturday, I need you pinning yourself to that fullback in. Got to say, Marcus Rashford's a far better option then, unless he goes for like the 5-3-2 and goes Conte style but that feels, does that not feel like too much of a change then if you're switching things up like that? It would feel a dramatic change, wouldn't it? Um... Because was that what you were thinking? Five at the back, and then Phillips or Henderson, Bellingham. Right yeah, I think he'll field. stick with those three for sure. I think he'll st- keep with Henderson in there. Um, so that's yeah. that's tough because then that really is you're changing exactly. the entire. You're asking so much more than you're asking Luke Shaw to be a winger. Yeah, and you're asking. Presume it's probably not going to be Carl Walker trippier, at that point. And it's probably going to be as Trippier. Has Trippier got that? He's in? got it in him for sure. Um, but it's it is a tough job for sure. It is, but you're going to be asking someone on a, on a difficult job anyway. Because if we go with the four at the back, you're going to be saying who, presumably, Carl Walker, and you're going to be saying that Saka is probably going to be spending as much time worrying about what's behind him as he is going forward as well. So it's going to be a tricky balance. Whatever he ends up doing, I just think I think after Henderson's performance, he isn't going to drop him. And I think no. just by his nature, he's going to be worried about Mbappe that he changed. I actually think at this stage, it's worth sticking as we are because I think, I do wonder what sort of message that sends out. If you go, we've done this all the way through and now for this team, we're going to change it and go back to something else. Does that just kind of scream that you're scared a bit too much? They were asking Saka about it in one of the press conferences today about whether England should be changing for France. And probably, I mean, it helps his him positionally he said he doesn't think they should have to mm. change he thinks they're good enough that they don't have to um, he was also asked about the comparisons between him and Mbappe in the same press conference Blimey. so maybe um, <laughs> maybe take do, do the man you will for, for Conte he said there's one Mbappe I'd, I'd rather you didn't compare <laughs> me to him um, then he said I think if he'd know there's only one Bukayo Saka as well. So there you go. <laughs> the, the other thing is, we also have to understand that there are going to be chances in this game. It doesn't matter if you put five at the back, we're not going to stop them creating something. That isn't going to happen. So we've got to get our heads around that already. Yeah. Um, we're playing a lot of players that are familiar with playing against us as well. Um, Giroud is very much the I'm man for this occasion. I'm terrified what going to do. I can just see him 
getting the ball into feet so easily and just working us off. Everything's just going to work off him. I can see it's horrible. Well, because Giroud's bread and butter is pretty much give me someone like Harry mm. Maguire that I can back up and yeah, try into. and fight him. And he's just he's going to have that new contract bounce because I think he's been uh, awarded that today at Milan. So. Uh, there you go. If he can squeeze a kid out before then as well, I'll be <laughs> Rashford, if we assume that we're going to be making changes in the same formation again, Rashford, Foden is an interesting one. Would it be Sakari sacrificed before Rashford or Foden? I thought you saw the best of Foden last night, but I also thought you saw the best of Foden by the fact that he was playing more centrally. So like the fact that on paper he was down as a left winger, he was tucking in more and Luke Shaw was doing a lot of that graft and Henderson was doing that graft on that left-hand mm. side as well. Um, it's very interesting about what he's A big part do. of that is that can the, the midfield and the fullbacks do that again? Can they show... It sounds ridiculous, but that, that energy that it takes to keep doing that because if Shaw isn't doing that, then suddenly we're looking at a Foden situation going, well, well, we've got no way if he's, he's coming inside, he's coming into traffic, what we're doing. Because Shaw was able to keep doing that and we had midfield runners, Bellingham and Henderson were doing it brilliantly. If we can do that again, it's great. But it's, right. And obviously a, a difficult level of opposition now to do it against. We're going to be taking more risks by doing it against France. Declan Rice made a point that if you look at the way people speak about, say, France dealing with the opening half an hour and it's, they overcame that tough half an hour to then get themselves on top. And he said, the the narrative with England is often that they kind of survived mm. the tough early period. And if we're going to read as much into the opening half an hour that we had, should we equally read into the fact that Poland could have had two goals? It's a good point. It's kind of where our emotions come into it, probably, isn't it? That we're sort of all hanging on. And so we don't view other teams quite in the same way as we view our team. Because technically, we've scored the most goals, we've got the best defence, and I think we've kept the most clean sheets. So, <laughs> Well, we haven't lost. We haven't lost, France. Yeah, but, yeah, but you, you, you could have had a 3-3 draw or whatever, <laughs> however you want to do it. Um, on paper, France should be the ones worrying us. And we were listening to the guy on Five Live last night, TK. What the hell are we even worried about? <laughs> they should be worried about us, all right? I love stuff like that. <laughs> it's just getting you pumped. You've got no real logical reason to get behind me. Like, yes, yeah, they should be worried about us. Whenever you mention Stuart Pearce, I'm reminded of the fact that I mentioned on here before, I once made a f- Facebook group campaigning for Stuart Pearce to be, be the New England manager. <laughs> it had about 107 people <laughs> liked it. And, um, and the picture was uh, Your Country Needs You with Stuart Pierce as the face. <laughs> and this was coming off whatever year it was. I think we had a we had a win in a penalty shootout for the 21s. Yeah. Would have been Joe Hart mm. there. Would that have been would that have been Roy getting sat there or would have been the would have been Capello? Would have been Capello. Yeah. Would have been Capello, yeah. So I was bang, I was banging the drum. We want a British manager <laughs> in here now. Bit of passion in there. And to be honest, I was so terrified it was going to be Redknapp that I'd it have taken It is remarkable anyone. that you consider <laughs> Stuart Pearce and Roy Hodgson as better shouts for the job than Redknapp. It's incredible. 
Well, I think I think I think Roy Hodgson. You look down his career, and he's proven that he's a better manager than Harry Redknapp. But we also have the benefit of we saw what happened with Roy in England, and that was not fun. I've told you about this. He was sabotaged on the inside by Gary Neville and Harry Kane. I think you need to grow up. Jack Wilshire confirmed Gary Neville was the man that stuck Kane on set pieces. I don't know. Maybe the manager should go, actually, Gary, I'm going to override you on this one. I think it comes down to character at that stage. And I think Roy's thinking, if that man is the man I think he is, Harry He'll Kane, himself off he takes himself off them. <laughs> it was just a test and he failed it. And he's willing, he was willing to die by that, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, we did die by that. <laughs> My word. We don't have our own, like Zidane in the wings either, that we can just say he's going to be the next one down the line. That is Sir Gareth. That is, that's our Zidane. Yeah, I mean, Wenger was linked with the job for a while. The way that man's uh, going recently, <laughs> keep, yeah, him, that's uh, keep him the hell away. Because uh, money might not be able to buy your happiness, but it, it can buy your Wenger, it seems. <laughs> now, if we speak about some of the other teams, and we'll probably loop back around and I'll ask you how confident we are for Saturday. Uh, TK, much to our delight, Belgium were iced. I think a day after, Tuesday or Wednesday, like Wednesday last week. Um, now, a lot of comparisons can be made to our supposed golden generation and theirs and the way things came tumbling down. Now, I know you usually do keep up with Belgian media quite well, but one of the big disputes that they've had, the WAGs and their inclusion in the camp. <laughs> They're running it back 2006 though. So Martinez effectively... And it's always a sign your tournament's not going well when the conversation's around where you based yourself yes, for the tournament. That's true. They essentially based themselves as far away as possible, but they're in they're living in more luxury than any of the other teams. They had their own golf course and pools and spas and all of this wonderful stuff. But they say they were so far away that it made it really awkward for the players, wives and kids and that to come along and at least be close to them. Some of the players internally, De Bruyne, I think, was one of these, they said, argued that this kind of resort they've got was so huge that you could have had all the families on the other side and they still couldn't have bumped into each other. But Martinez refused to allow that to happen. One of the big things he had is he wanted them all to speak English because they were all mixing before he joined the camp and he was trying to set things straight and slowly they've started reverting back to being in his little cliques. Doesn't help that one player slept with the other's wife. Um, <laughs> it is tricky, that. That's a tough one. It was far easier choice for us in that one player was significantly better yes, than the exactly other. exactly that. I remember when Wayne Bridge <laughs> retired and be like, what? I think we'll just about get over it, Wayne. <laughs> Ashley Cole was doing all right. Well, well, it just so happened that he got with a member of the Saturdays and people twisted it. Did Terry do him a favour? <laughs> yeah. Is that- <laughs> um, so yeah, so we ended. They got lucky to beat Canada 1-0 in the first game. They're beating 2-0 by Morocco in the second game. And then they need a win to avoid early elimination and they go out with a whimper against Croatia in the third game. Lukaku is punching perspex screens out of a dugout as if he... 
couldn't have possibly changed this himself. <laughs> it was such a lovely performance. To watch. <laughs> By the end of that fixture, Jack, Lukaku topped the table for most big chances missed in the tournament. Oh Fortunately, Gabriel Jesus hasn't had enough minutes, so he wasn't competing with him. Jesus. It was such a bad he, he'd only oh, he, he he he'd not even completed a half at that point in any one game. He played less than that. This was the first time we played forty-five minutes, is, and he missed five big chances. Are we are we is, letting it? Are we letting him slide with the half fit, half fit, uh, half fit? I think if he had one uh, leg, no, because yeah, like, he was three yards out for most of them. I don't think Fitness <laughs> had an issue there. I think what made it. 10 times worse slash funnier, whichever, which way you want to look at it, is that hands on his knees and then look up surprised, like <laughs> moronic stare into the distance as if he couldn't believe he'd just done it. Like he hadn't just done it. For like he'll convince us to all be shocked as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The tough one, Jack, is that we can laugh more because the big difference for you is when you see that with obligation next to the loan. Unfortunately, you don't see that. <laughs> Yeah, and so ultimately he does have to do enough that Inter are prepared to keep him. I don't think he, I don't think he will. I think no, and so you've got a half a million pound problem coming back. I know. <laughs> With another two years left on the deal, and the problem is someone at Chelsea is watching that, thinking, you know what, he can do it for us. He can, we can turn it back round with him. Well, they see a Bamiang <laughs> at top, and it, maybe. Um, other issues, they say Martinez showed too much loyalty to Eden Hazard. Supposedly Trossard was up in arms about that, which I do back. Um, across his three appearances in Qatar, spanning 124 minutes, Hazard made just five successful dribbles and according to Opta, five shot-creating actions. Shot to bits, bless him, they? Yeah, yeah. He, he, had, he had just under 50. I thought Suarez was going to be the most shot player at his tournament, but even he dragged a performance out against Ghana. <laughs> I feel so bad for saying that, but he needs to be taken out of the paddock, shot and broken. <laughs> and even then, and I, I know he's probably seen Bale and he knows what those Madrid fans are like, he was still distancing himself from Chelsea. Yeah, I think you've just said it in one there. Like, you can't show your neck to those Madrid fans, no matter how bad things are. He's got off remarkably light with the Madrid thing, really. When you consider the price that he was bought for and the fact he's done nothing, he's just basically watched Bale take bullets the whole time whilst he was there. And then the fact that Madrid have obviously won a Champions League was kind of covering up his own uh, individual performance. So they just kind of, he's riding out, isn't he? I can't really work out how he's done it. No, same. It's so sad to see because he's such an exciting footballer to watch. Yeah. But yeah, he's just he's just lost it all. And probably, unfortunately for Lukaku, because the main thing he did, he saved De Bruyne because that man needs to answer some serious questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it, in a, if they if they didn't have such like a, a litany of problems, we'd be looking at that interview we gave even, just in that on its own, and you'd go, what the hell did you think you were doing? Was that before their second group game that comes out? Just, you yeah. go, even if you know things are half okay in the camp, don't go saying this. And that was, I don't think that was what killed them. But it was a, a symptom of all the other issues they've got, wasn't it? And, he, and as you said before, in, in certain big games where he's gone missing, he's done whatever the opposite is of dragging your team through trouble. He's that guy. He just 
I thought he'll have at least one game where he goes, right, I'm going to step up and drag this team. And let's face it, to a degree, you kind of watched Bellingham against Senegal and he kind of said, right, I'm I'm up in it here. This team's getting through. And he's you know, not the player that De Bruyne is, not you know, 11 years younger as he, so <coughs> unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I've not watched the whole interview. From from what I was able to gather, the interview in which he actually starts calling them old, they say it was the kind of most puff piece interview you're ever yeah, going to yeah, have. It was. Everything was just a slam dunk to just tee you up, to just get some good energy around the camp. And then with about two questions left, he's asked, so can Belgium win the tournament? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's... It's not even because he started going in and saying, well, compare the players that we had four years ago to the players we had now. The new players aren't yet at the level required. What the fuck yeah. are you even thinking about? I know. Just just do the old media train response of, yeah, or we'll hope so, or let's see what happens. Not, not yeah. exactly yeah. what he did. Do not be honest. That's the last thing on your list of priorities there. Don't be honest. Yeah. And then a day later, Germany go out of the tournament. I'm going to ask you who this is more of a disaster for. Um, if they just concede too easy because one one game really is where it all fell apart. Japan were clearly better than we thought they were, but Germany had enough to be out of sight within the first half against them if Gundogan can just hit the target. Sane, Muller, Kimmich didn't show up. I told you Muller um, and Kimmich were under surveillance. The pressure was too much. <laughs> the lights are too bright. Turn them down. Turn them down. <laughs> 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 and they just have no clear nine, which is just such an issue. Havertz, <laughs> as someone that despises Chelsea, I've backed Havertz far more than he has shown his worth. He's been worth backing. He's been his disgrace, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how many of you saw the Kimmich interview. This was the worst day of my career. I'm afraid I'll fall into a hole. It makes you think that these failures are connected to my person. Yeah. Well, they are. It's something that we need to address first. You were a part of it, more of a part of it than a lot of those players involved. And look, if Harry Maguire came out with that after a game, if we go out against France, Harry Maguire comes out and says, this is the worst day of my career. Don't attack me because I'm afraid I'll fall into a hole. He's going to be given such a flock of abuse that he will be shaving his head like Britney by Sunday morning. <laughs> and he will not get any of the same sympathy. Griezmann popped up, I think it was, to tell him, look, don't worry about it, bro. You'll be back. You've got there's plenty of life left in the tank yet. Bad. Bad for them because, if anything, we kind of uh, associate the German team we're just being a bit more together than we are. That's something that we've almost kidded ourselves into thinking that was one of the reasons they were better than us. Just so they were a bit more held together than we are. And it's those nice kits. That's what <laughs> yeah. it is. It's them constantly having lovely kits that I, just blinds you. I ordered the Germany kit pre-tournament. By the time it's turned up, <laughs> they've gone out. It's still not arrived. Oh my god! Gerson. What name? What name on the back of it? Well, it's a bad run there because I got Ben White on the back of my White England home one. <laughs> And I got Mario Goethe on the back of uh, my Germany oh, home one. You are the kiss of death. Yeah, I haven't got the Saka one printed on me away yet, so uh, I think I'll hopefully be all right. If anyone wants to chip in, I'll get an Mbappe shirt ready for Saturday. <laughs> That'd be uh, our version of the Witch Doctor. <laughs> Is it something to look at that 
yes, this isn't good. If you compare to Belgium, this isn't a disaster. I think if you're a fan, you can look forward and say, there's some sun, there's some sunshine left for us in the future, whereas Belgium, they're descending into darkness. There is, there is part of that, but then that's two World Cups in a row they've exited mm. the group stages. Like, if that was England, like, they'd be coming back. There'd be effigies being put <laughs> on the runway. And I say, it's always a country that prides like, itself and they were always there or thereabouts, weren't they? Even like a bad Germany team would tend to make like the semis. And now it's, as you as yeah. said, two in a row at the, at the group stages. Even if you were to look ahead, and it's always the first thing you do after like a big team goes out, what's their starting lineup going to be in 2026? But even just the crop of players, like if you think Musiala is going to be, what, 23 mm. then? Florian Verts, we've still not even seen him. Armel Belakotchap coming through. Mukoko, their hope will be the nine that they're hoping for. They're all still to start cooking. It's Sane, Nabri, Schlotterbeck, Kimmich, Goretzka, Rome. They're all still going to be there for 26. Neuer is going to be too old and then they're going to have the absolute nightmare of Testegen slotting in. Yeah, I feel for them. Nightmare. It would be quite fun if they do. I think they're going to be It would be, be quite okay. fun though if they do still try and get like 39-year-old Neuer trying to run up the pitch like he does. See if he can do it. <laughs> the other thing for that, I, and I know this is a bit, I don't know, maybe small-time mentality. I did think they were a bit unlucky as well. And so I thought they were well, decent against yeah. Spain. Probably could have nicked a win, but didn't quite. They obviously win the last game. So as you said, it was all on that first game, which look, don't lose to Japan. You had your chances. But it is still a bit of bad luck there. Well, yeah, it's a, we had our bad game against Wales. Fortunately, they're a worse team. And we had a bad... We had a, no, I'm America, sorry, against yeah. USA, sorry. Um, fortunately, they didn't have the players to put their mm. chances away. J- Japan... They didn't think they had the players to put it away. It just so happened that they held all their best players on the bench. <laughs> and so the second half, they just came out like lightning. I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Elsewhere, South Korea snuck through. I commented earlier in the week, son, if you can believe it, was crying. That's <laughs> um, all you've got to do is go out and win your last game and you'll be sound. Like It was just such a defeatist attitude. Um. He does come out. Portugal were kind enough to say, go on. Go on. We'll let you have this one. Because the hype I was hearing about this Sun Assist, now it doesn't look good when you compare to what I said about Richarlison last week. It's going to look like there's an agenda here. We wouldn't want that. That's the last thing we would We would hate that to happen. But come on. The things I was hearing dribbled half the pitch. The bloke ran in a straight line. Come on, it was messy. Yes, the bloke ran in a straight line. Nobody around him, and then he plays a two-yard pass. Two they gave him a charity Puskas award for this before, and now I'm hearing this again. Look, fair play. You turned up. You're one nil down to Brazil now. We love to see it. <laughs> It's what happens. Just good play. Found found some dog in you. Fair play, but look, let's let's not talk about these things as more than they are. Alex, I thought I heard you rumbling in the background there. <laughs> no, no, he's not rising to it. Not rising to it at all. 
or as a cosine. Uh, either way, you can take that. Um, or maybe Alex's burner account got at me because I did tweet similar to this. Um, the way the algorithms work on social media, it did seem my tweet was picked up by uh, Spurs Twitter. <laughs> and I was called a fat nerd <laughs> by a faceless account. It's a cruel place, the internet. Cruel, cruel place. <laughs> I had the last laugh as I deleted the tweet so he couldn't get his You showed him. <laughs> yep. No way to win there. <laughs> Hidden replies just looks worse. And not giving you the joy of my other followers slyly laughing and screenshotting that reply to send to people. I'll declare it myself here. I've eight mild myself. Anyway, Switzerland dealt with Serbia in one of the games of the tournament so far. 3-2 victory had just the amount of bad blood I was hoping for. Yeah, I loved it. I saw the fans give it, get given it as well. Some of those... Uh... Albanian rebel signs being shown in the stands they, by Qataris as well. They had to uh, do an announcement in a stadium for some of the things the Serbian fans were saying. Yeah, they were shouting about Serbian soldiers killing Albanian civilians, weren't they? The manager was saying could... stuff about mothers it on was the touchline. Pretty remarkable that like the yeah. our coverage as well as well. It's a real bit of needle here, isn't it? Like it's like a North London derby or something rather than an actual like geopolitical yeah. issue. <laughs> When Shakiri scored, I was going, please do the celebration. Please do the celebration. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do the celebration. I was so gutted. He wants to play the next game, I was, doesn't yeah, he? I wanted to, you, know, you, you know when you do it on FIFA where you can hold a celebration and just do loops around <laughs> yep. the I want it, I want, I want it He's not making it out of there. Shakir? <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, this is it, it wasn't it? Him and Jack both got punished. Him and Jack, so they kind of got told, look, yeah. next strike, you're in huge trouble. I messaged Troy and said, we need Spurs to sign some Serbs because Xhaka yeah. goes demon mode when he's playing yeah, against this lot. Shakiri is now just one of three players to score at each of the last three World Cups. That is great. Alongside the obvious uh, Messi and Ronaldo, so not bad company to be in. <laughs> this was the first World Cup match since England-Argentina in 98 in which both teams scored multiple goals before halftime. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you hear that. Uh, And Brazil penalty. So, son, get those tears ready, my boy, because uh, (laughs) we're going down again. (laughs) Crank up those tear ducts. Nice goal as well for the winner by Freuler. One of the goals of the tournament so far. A little back heel layoff by Vargas. Them against the. I guess Neymar's all right then. I guess Neymar's all right then. Yep, come back to dunk on your boy. I respect it. <laughs> what do you mean, Richardson? Richardson, they can't lose. Uh, Richard, I'm in. A, I'm in a bit of conflicted. I, I feel conflicted about Richardson because I feel like on the other side of the tournament, Brazil are the favourites to get to the final, and he's obviously been falling out for Brazil. I feel like I don't. Fair for one game. Out. I don't feel like I want to ball. I don't want him to ball. I want him to ball out, but then I don't want him to ball out because I don't want him to be the most hated man in England. If God forbid we get to the final and we've got Brazil and he balls out and wins it, because I feel I'm not like... sure the majority of the country could hate him anymore. <laughs> I think we've uh, 
The ones that are left. The ones that are left. <laughs> I think that is a bridge so far away we can uh, <laughs> think about crossing that at another time. And also, like, we hated players like Suarez because of like, how good they were. Um, when you've got zero Premier League goals, <laughs> <laughs> elephants don't don't beef with ants, uh, as the man Floyd said. Switzerland go through to face Portugal that's in the a, next that's round. That's a really good game. Right? And upset Klaxon, I'm sanding yeah. it. Yeah, tomorrow upset night. Klaxon. You rate you upset that Klaxon. You, what, Switzerland beating Brazil. So Switzerland beating Portugal is an upset. I consider that upset. If you looked at the betting odds, I'd say there's a significant gap between the two of them. What? What is this keeper doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> saucy. Um, last couple of, while we're on Brazil. So Gabriel Jesus, we here was injured in the first half of the last group stage game. Initial reports said around three weeks, which felt bad enough. And then in the space of about eight hours, it's gone to a minimum of three months. So we'll know more in the coming days once he's been assessed at London Colney, but it doesn't usually, these injuries, once they've leaked like that, they don't drop down to a couple of days from the three months. You're at least looking at quite a significant stretch of time. So, Eddie and Ketia, your time, my boy, unless we go Smith Row Faults 9. But it was a fun title charge while it lasted, boys. Um, the inhalers from Merseyside didn't get here in time. We gave them our physio. Unfortunately, we couldn't take theirs in return. That might explain a lot, TK, by the way. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the club's um, thinking of. It's, uh, it's hiring at the minute. I'll go for a job there. They might give me a job. But we'll wait and see what happens with uh, Jesus. Thankfully, the transfer window is around the corner. And if there's one thing I know about Arsenal, they are proactive in the transfer market. Uh, can Douglas Louise play up top? <laughs> Last year, the Netherlands, slow and steady. They get past USA. Van Hal said they can't afford to have another first half performance like they had on Saturday morning. TK, is this the, are these the kind of steady performances that can take you all the way to a World Cup? Potentially, I think the it was interesting as you say because on the one hand, obviously the game plan obviously worked to perfection. On the other hand, I thought they probably rode their luck a little bit at times as well. Which, when you're doing that against USA, logic says you do it against a team like Argentina if they've got next or even someone else to get past them. You're like a run out eventually. Um, I think this Netherlands team apart from the fact that maybe this is just what Van Gaal wants to do, probably also knows they're defensively sound and don't have a lot of goals going forward. I know Gakpo's had a good tournament. I know Depay's an okay player, but I don't think you'd describe either of them as elite. So they're probably working with what they've got. Um, and I imagine them and Argentina is going to be quite a cagey game. So this could be the sort of brand of football that does get you through a tournament, I guess. But I do think eventually... Mm when you get some quality finishes against them, they're going to get found out. They're not the, they're the sort of side that I wouldn't want England to have. Well, I, I don't want, I mean, France isn't exactly a great, a great yeah. court oh. final, but they're Netherlands are the sort of side that I wouldn't want us to have in the semis or the quarters. Or Especially with those stage. bendy lines they draw, Jack, when we play Netherlands. Exactly. It's <laughs> fucking bendy lines. Um, <laughs> Open invitation now to any of you or anyone listening, the first person to take me up on this. I will have a case 
Will anyone that wants one that the Netherlands will be knocking out Argentina in the next round? Ooh. I'm, I'm far too um, nervous about that. I wouldn't. A case of what? Any drink of your choice up to a price of £15. Uh, go on. Go on, take it. There yeah, we I'll go. take it. Consider your hand shaking. <laughs> My uh, orange what's, boys. What's your uh, what's your drink of choice? I'll, I'll send you the details later Send and you can order it though. ready for the next game cherry. because uh, <laughs> it's, it's a cherry coke isn't it mm. the price they charge these I, days I Jack like you might be tango. struggling isn't it like a, isn't it a green tango apple tango Alex I can get them for £2.50 if you think I'll be wasting a £2.50 drink on that bet with you you, you are very much mistaken you said a case yes uh, I'll there's no a need to do these £2.50 there's no there's no need to do these. No negotiations needed. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, I'll find one just right. Anyway, Jack, does this also show us that if the man uh, leading the charge for you is Christian Pulisic, you're probably going to be struggling? <laughs> I th- I th- yeah, very much I so. I thought there was no Chelsea talk until the new year. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious because... All of our worst players, or inverted commas, worst players, have all put in man of the match performance and dragged their team to some decent results in this uh, this tournament. I don't recall Mason doing that. Chelsea players actually have the <laughs> highest goals and assists out of any other club team in the World Cup, and they can't score for Chelsea at all. So there we go. So Sterling Enjoy and it. Mason Mount have done that. <laughs> Sterling's no, got himself a goal. Ziyech, Pulisic, um, Havertz. Sterling, Havertz. They've all scored multiple goals, yep. haven't they? So, yeah. Havertz got two and got told the man of the match as they were at the tournament. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually had <laughs> Pulisic, Ziyech, Havertz and Sterling all getting man of the matches as well. Whose stock has risen more, TK? Cody Gakpo or Matt Freaking Turner? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt Turner. I genuinely do think that's a fair question. Turner. <clears throat> I've seen that video circulating of him in yeah, college rough, where isn't it? <laughs> ball comes off the bar and that was the first thing I saw when we signed him <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean I've already put the warning out there for whichever team signs Cody Gakpo don't get yourself too excited because the man can't run let's get him to United let's anyway. get him there let's get him there yeah Lionel Messi if you saw your Twitter timeline on Saturday evening, you'd be amazed by how many people were amazed at just how good this guy is. Um, I saw plenty of screenshots of people, dads, uncles, whatever. Go, oh, just sit aside and see what you mean about this guy now. Like he hasn't been doing it for about 20 years. Um, gets the goal on his 1,000th appearance to put Argentina through against Australia. Julian Alvarez adds a second. Matt Ryan, I'd love to know how many keepers at this tournament played for Arsenal at one stage. <laughs> there's so many of them. Um, for 35 minutes, Australia looked like they were doing everything right. Had the right shape, compact, tight, disciplined. And then you can do all that and Messi can have a couple of touches in around the area and you're toast. 
Is this the time to start investing back in the Argentinian stocks, TK? I've shown my hand, but if we consider the stocks were at an all-time, probably an all-time low after the Mexico game even compared to the Saudi game because it showed it wasn't just a one-off in how poor they could look. Would you be investing now or have you seen enough early on? They've scared me off. This the, the Bitcoin's gone through the floor, and I can't just jump back in. I've I've got to see. I'll be honest. I saw this Australia game as something. I said to someone before, and I thought this will show us if Argentina just scraped through that group and were lucky, or if they had their wobble, and now we're seeing the real Argentina. And to be honest, I didn't really answer my question at all by the end of that game. I was kind of. I still don't really no. know. Um, and that's why that that Netherlands one makes me nervous because I'm not fully convinced by the Netherlands but I'm not fully convinced by Argentina either um, so it's an interesting game in that respect but yeah it's probably going to be a cagey game and, and Messi if he can do something like that again you know adds another chapter to his legacy doesn't it yeah their media is suggesting that DePaul might be sacrificed they may play Paredes do they mean literally basically I think it might be worth it <laughs> and give uh, Enzo Fernandez the keys and just say have the freedom and apart, my boy. Because uh, he's he's looked great. Yeah, you want to talk about stock rising. Can you look at the money route. that Benfica got for Yao Felix? This is probably the closest they're going to come. Yeah. Can they get... They'll probably get more for him than they got for Darwin, won't they? People might be scared now that they see Darwin. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably in that range, I would imagine. Probably. 150 million release oh. clause uh, could have been got for about 17 million euros oh. uh, if you've got him the summer before. United had the chance and decided to go and stick with Fred. We can just run through almost any player doing well, can't we? United had a chance. They didn't take it. Caicedo, 3.5 mil. Good God. I did see someone post rather unfairly saying, see, Oli wanted Haaland and Bellingham. I'm sure he did want them, but that's, (laughs) come on. This is what Spurs fans say for Conte. He wanted these six players that are about 60 million each. He wanted Bastoni. Learn your lesson. You don't go for these Italians in Serie A because they ain't coming. No. They're certainly, if they're going to go, they're going to United or they're going to Chelsea for the money. They aren't going to Spurs. They aren't coming to Arsenal. Although maybe they'd, they'd be a lot more tempted. And they aren't going to Liverpool. You have to... Especially now Paratici is going to jail. Yep. And he wouldn't even be the only criminal in a Spurs dugout, would he? <laughs> because we all know about Antonio Conte, Mr. Matchfixer. Mm. Alex has got his hand over his mouth doing a protest right now. And Menger will tell you that doesn't end well. He was protesting this podcast. But <laughs> here he is. Let's close the show. Who is going to step up and tell me they are feeling confident for Saturday? Someone has to do it. I'm the most confident going into a game against a really big like nation that I have been in a while. I, maybe that's misplaced. I don't know. No. I think we've looked good. And if now's the time to finally put one of these big teams to bed. More confident time. now than you were for the, the Germany bed. game at the Euros? Yes, actually. I I um I, I'm with Jack. I don't. I'm confident. I don't. I think the only reason the only reason <laughs> got to the, nerve, the, the, nerve, the, ner- the only reason you know it's nervous because it's knockout knockout World Cup. You lose, you're out. And France are a phenomenal side, but 
I think we've got a lot to be positive about. We've got a really good squad. They can, we know they can play together, and we can beat them. So I, I don't, I, I don't think this sort of this underdog mentality is required for this match. I think if we go in feeling like we can just about just as own that pitch just as well as France, uh, you know, I think it's it's going to be a, a stress, a really stressful affair. But it always yeah. is, regardless of whether we're we're in form or not. So, <coughs> TK, final say. As inspirational as those two boys have just been, I'm not confident at all on shitting it. Um, I think they they just have a standout player in Mbappe that can take it up a notch at some point. And I think at some point he does something that impacts this game um, and takes us out of it. I think, unfortunately. Just, just to be clear, I'm <laughs> shitting it as well. I'm just a bit positively it, shitting it. That's not. That's what Byron is doing pre-pod, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous, and then Gary Lineker told me only one man in the world can deal with Mbappe. <laughs> There's been so much pressure put on Carl Walker's shoulders, I tell you. And so, I don't think we've got anything to worry about. Um, Maybe Giroud has a game like he did against Monaco in the first round of the Champions Thanks League. For that. Maybe. Um, otherwise, look, stranger things have happened. Tottenham have reached a Champions League final. Chelsea have won a Champions League. Two Champions Leagues. I only think you won one of them. Um, that was the City one. The <laughs> other one, I maintain, you just didn't lose it. <laughs> Whatever makes you sleep better, mate. There's enough going on that he hasn't selected to Gabriel Jesus news. Oh, I said win the World Cup and I'll still be uh, quite. I've won, but at what cost? Exactly. Next week's point um, is going to be such a contrasting tone. Such a <laughs> fine balance. Don't ask me if I don't ask me if I'd rather us win the World Cup or Gabriel Jesus is fit on yeah. Boxing Day. That's, don't ask me. That's the sort of question that's, you don't ask him. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it is. That's it is vile, isn't it? It's vile. Alex, if... who would you? Would you? No, oh, I'll no. ask you straight. Would you rather Arsenal win the Premier League or England win the World Cup? I'm moving madness <laughs> this week. Wait, would I rather Arsenal win the champ win the Champions League? League you said. No, I said, would you rather win Arsenal win the Premier League? Uh, no, it, would you rather win? Uh, would you rather Arsenal win the Champions League or Premier League? Over England winning the World Cup. That's not even a difficult question. Oh my word! I've told you this before. The downside to England winning the World Cup, I can't gloat to anyone about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's dis- you, you disgust me. You disgust me. But you asked a question. I thought you were at least going to give ask the question about Jesus to make it more difficult. But movie madness this week: Man on a Ledge versus Drive. See you there. See you next Monday. Uh, We'll see how we go. Adios.